You're listening to Accounted For, the Canadian podcast that explores the intangibles of every career. I'm your host, Daniel Lee. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Accounted For. This is a podcast on a mission to expand your perspectives, have you question the default option, and get you inspired to action for your own career. Man, that's a handful of stuff to say. But regardless, happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome back to Accounted For. Before we begin the podcast, here is a quick service announcement, or not an advertisement, just an announcement. And so this is for people who may be new and also just hardcore fans as well. And if you are looking for a way to help support the podcast by more than just a rating on iTunes, although I do really appreciate it if you do that, now you can buy me coffee. So what does that mean? It doesn't directly mean that you're going to take me out to coffee, although I'm also open to that as well. But I've now created a donation page where you can choose from buying me one cup of coffee a month or maybe a coffee a week. Or if you're a super fan or an ultra fan that just really loves me, then you can buy me a coffee every day. And all the money you donate to me will be actually used to buy me coffee, literally. And it'll also be used to buy coffee for the people that I meet to bring them on the platform, whether through the podcast or whether I just learn about something completely different and I write about it. And so I'll help them buy coffee with the money that you give me as well. And everything left over will be used to improve and grow the platform as well. And so you can really think of it as that you're taking me out to coffee to really pick my brain for an hour. And But instead of doing that, you're listening to a podcast. Or you could even be taking out one of my esteemed guests out for a coffee. But you might not have access to them or they might just be busy. And so instead of buying them a coffee, um, I do that for you. And I buy them a coffee for doing that. So then you can just give me that coffee money. So that's how you can think about it, if that helps. Um, well, all the content will you know, continue to be free, but it's just that the donations will really help a bunch in keeping this company of mine afloat and also grow for the future as well. And also for the coffee buyers, you will be part of this unique, I guess, stakeholder community that I've built where everyone in the community will receive a weekly email newsletter and the weekly Newsletter will include everything from the essays, learnings, the vlog, and podcast episodes all packaged up nicely in their inbox every week so that you don't have to run around chasing things. And it'll also give you a chance to ask me questions at my annual meeting next year that I plan to set up. And so these are all kind of continuously developing on the way. But if you would like to be a early helper and supporter of the podcast as well as the overall platform, I would truly appreciate it. And you can check out more details at oldmandan.com slash stakeholders. Stakeholder or stakeholders? Try both. <laughs> I'll also include the links down in the description, so you can just click that too. Okay, cool. Now, getting on to the actual interview itself. Today's guest is Mark Champagne. Mark is the co-founder of Keo. Keo is a wellness company based in Toronto, and it's currently an app that provides prompts to help you with your mental fitness. A simple way I think about it is as like a live digital journal. And Mark also asks, Mark also has a podcast called Keo Conversations, where he and his guests explore the impact of mental fitness in their lives. And I'm a big believer in the mind and body connection. And just as much as I'm obsessed with my powerlifting career, I'm also obsessed with my mental training as well. So 
needless to say, I was super excited uh, to chat with Mark. And you might wonder whether Mark's career started out in a spiritual field, given that, you know, he runs a wellness company. But the fact of the matter is that he started in the world of pharmaceutical drugs. And after a decade in the big pharma industry, Mark decided to take the leap with his brother-in-law to scratch his own itch, quote unquote, (laughs) by transforming his 10 years of journaling practices he's had while being a uh, drug farmer sales rep and actually creating that into Keo now. And it also turns out being a product manager of mental health drugs can really prepare, prepare you well to be an app launching entrepreneur as Keo continues to be a globally ranked top app with influencer content from people like Kevin Rose and Leo Babauta, I think. Um, if, if you are anyone who's really interested in the mental fitness community, like you know these two people are big names. And Mark is definitely working hard to get even more esteemed people on the, con- on the platform as well. And so this was a super fun and exciting conversation into Mark's journey of creating a wellness company. And I came out of it with personal mindfulness practices for myself and some more perspectives on growing my own company as well. And so I hope my chat with Mark really expands your perspective, has you questioned the default and really inspires action in your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to Accounted For. Today on the podcast, we have Mark Champagne. Hey Mark, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you, sir. Great to be here. Mark here is the co-founder of Kill, and or I think it's pronounced Gil in Japanese, right? You, a- you actually say it proper and, and better than us because <laughs> we've been corrected once by someone um, actually from Japan because that's the origin of uh, of Kyo. So we say Kyo, but it, right. you're right, it's Kyo. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's funny. Like I, when I first saw it, I was like, oh yeah, Kyo, yeah, today, that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. We're kind of going off on a tangent from the beginning, but it's funny, like I... I taught myself Japanese very quickly, and um, I've just been obsessed with like learning the language. And so when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, nice! I wonder, yeah. I wonder why like they pronounce it kill instead of kill." Like, is there a reason behind that? Like, is it just for everyone else in North America to just feel more comfortable with the name? Yeah, well, I think that's a great question. Actually, we never really thought about it, but I, I think on our side, we're just trying like we're. As much as we love Japanese culture and we're trying to bring it in in every aspect to the the company and like even our personal lives, like we also don't want to pretend like we're like we're not Japanese, right? right? So, I mean, we're kind of putting our own flavor to it. And most people either say Kyo or Kayo. Um, very rare people actually pronounce it properly, like like yourself. Um, and we didn't know at first. That's that's the thing. We we I mean we validated that the translation was correct uh, for from some people that we knew in, in Japan. Um, but then it wasn't until after that someone actually said no, no no it's like it's pronounced like this, um, which wasn't maybe maybe that was six months ago. It wasn't that long ago? Really? <laughs> yeah yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's still pretty fresh. <laughs> and I feel I don't know. I feel weird if I if I were to pronounce it like that uh, i feel like people would be like who are you trying to be type right, thing <laughs> right right it's, it's the same croissant and it, people judge you for that yeah exactly yeah, so yeah. we just stick with keo got it and so for the audience who may be confused like why are they going off in this company's name can you expl- uh, describe your company to them what does keo do and yeah what are you all about yeah so keo as you mentioned is is the japanese word for today and <clears throat> that was important for us because 
everything that we're trying to do with with Keo, which is at this stage a wellness company um, or an ecosystem of of offerings to really help people reflect. Um, I mean, our core purpose is really to stimulate reflection. It, it just so happens that the first product that we that we developed was um, or is an app. And that came out of uh, kind of a need on, on my side, uh, one of those scratch your own itch scenarios, just being frustrated with the digital journaling solutions out there. So Keo app is really two big things. I mean, it's a combination of inspiration or content or in what we call guided prompts or reflective questions that, that we're pulling from podcast interviews that we're curating with experts around the world and just different topics. Um, and then we're marrying that up with a digitally guided practice. So for anyone that is, you know, trying to create space in their mind, trying to release emotion that may be, you know, winding them up or that want to practice any type of gratitude um, practices, then, you know, we provide a, a solution to do that, either unguided or if you're having a hard time, don't know where to start, then we have literally a hundred and... 75,000 reflective questions in the app that aren't all served up to you in one shot. They're, you know, they're organized by topic and um, by podcasts and whatnot. So it's just, it's just a way to help people get started in a practice that literally has been around for thousands of years. And and from, from my perspective, uh, I just heard coming up over and over again from people that were being interviewed on shows like Tim Ferriss and, and the, I mean, pick any of them. Um, they're all asking powerful questions to themselves throughout their life. So we wanted to take that and provide a platform to help people um, really be at their at their A game personally and professionally. Gotcha. And so it, for someone who wants to reflect and actually have these powerful prompts and questions in their life, how, how do they get started? Do they just go on and is there kind of more of a, tips and tips for like best practices like are they expected to do like once a day or once in the morning um like when i when i started this whole um i think for me first like a journaling practice four years ago it started with a five minute journal which is very simple to the same thing over and over again and then i learned to change it my own way how how can people start like how how would you recommend it yeah i think it's it's similar to 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 most things right like set yourself up for for success and you know you're not if if you want to run a marathon you're not going to just jump right into the marathon you're going to you're going to scale up to um that distance of of running through through training right so it's no different when you think of your mind if you're not doing something like this um start small right and even just a couple minutes a day of you know potentially setting an intention for the day like what what would make today great, for example, is, is a really great prompt to just kick off the day. And then, you know, if you get to the end of the day or the end of the week, like what, what went really well today or what would I have changed today? Like the key, and it doesn't have to be, I mean, obviously, you know, we'd love to have you in the app, but if, if a digital solution is, is not your cup of tea, then it's the reflection that is the most important. So if that's pen to paper, or if you're doing an audio note, um, which you can do obviously in, in Keo, but, or just talking out loud, like it doesn't matter. The, the key is to stop, you know, and come out of the autopilot because that's, that's, that's a bit of the issue right now with just where we're at, I think in society in general is that, 
you know, if we don't consciously make the efforts to slow down a bit and, and think, then we're automatically put on these, you know, just like the airports, those people movers, and it just doesn't stop, right? The tech doesn't stop, the content doesn't stop, the meetings, the calls, like it just keeps going and going. And what happens is, you, you know, you go Monday to Friday, and then all of a sudden you roll into the weekend, there's like weekend activities, you go to sleep, and it's Monday again, and it's just rinse and repeat. Whereas, you know, there's a lot of great things that happen during those days, right? And there's a lot of answers to the questions actually we may have that, you know, we think we need to buy a self-help book or we need to go and talk to somebody about. But if we actually slow down and ask some powerful questions and allow the mind to surface those solutions, then, you know, there's tremendous benefits to that. And so that's you've left it on a very juicy bit we which we'll kind of definitely dig into uh, a little later into the interview but i also wanted to touch upon something i i nearly commented on it when we first did the interview but the last name champagne is really gangster it's pretty, it's pretty fucking cool <laughs> nice and is that is that a french canadian like name um because yeah. i know you're from montreal like you moved to toronto from montreal is that where you grew no, up no actually i'm i'm originally from northern ontario so northern Ontario. oh really yeah okay. so that's actually where all the french comes from it just in my past life uh i worked for f- in for five years in montreal so um uh actually yeah born and raised in in ontario so i'm actually coming and being back in toronto i'm back in kind of the home province um, but yeah, all the French comes. So I went to, um, you know, a French immersion, uh, school right up until university. Uh, for me, the thing was that my parents didn't speak French at home. Uh, my dad was French. My mom was not. So we always spoke English. So, you know, I never really kept it up post high school. Um, so I understand, like I can follow a conversation really well or fluently, but the confidence level to actually speak is slowly diminishing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, right now we we've had that turn where we we've, we've talked about this wellness company of yours, and when when I first, you know, when we first interacted, I thought, yeah, this is very fascinating. He's he's worked in big pharma for about you know a decade, and now he's starting this like journaling app, focused on like mental fitness and wellness. And then a part of me actually thought, does maybe that actually makes sense that he was in pharma and now he cares about mental fitness? Was like when you were in like when you were growing up did you were you influenced in some way that you should go do big pharma for a decade like why what was the like impetus there that's a good question i mean so as i was growing up what i was always interested in was um just business in in general and that actually wasn't coming from my childhood back home uh my my dad worked in the mine in Sudbury. my mom worked at the bank um like just very standard jobs in that in that town. It's a small town, um, but what was happening? I can't remember the age. It was probably like seven or eight for for a few years. I used to come to Toronto for the summers, and my aunt and uncle, my my uncle was in sales all his life, and my aunt actually uh, had a pretty uh, big position at Sharp uh, Electronics. So I'd come into this like giant city, right? Small town guy coming into to Toronto was big. There was a lot going on. And I remember I used to tell my aunt, you know, I said, but one day, this is crazy to think because now I can't stand it. But one day, you know, I'm going to be stuck in this traffic and, you know, going to work and working in one of those buildings type thing. Um, 
which is hilarious to think. I mean, I don't work in one of those buildings, but I'm down in those buildings often enough and stuck in the traffic uh, often enough. So there was always a desire, though, to be... I guess it was just to kind of leave Sudbury because it, I, I don't know, it just didn't fit for me. I had never had any intention to, you know, go into um, like that blue collar type work. I always wanted to jump into some sort of business and communications and, and marketing. And that's what I studied in school. Um, so then when I moved out here, I actually moved to London, Ontario um, with, uh, I thought it would have been right before I got married. Um, and just started, I, you know, I tried a couple jobs. I was just searching for jobs and ended up meeting someone that was in the pharma world. And there was a sales position open and took a chance on me. And I, I started there. Um, and I always thought from a sales perspective, like that was like the coveted sales job um, was to be a, like a pharmaceutical rep. Um, it's kind of different, different views now. Um, I mean, I've seen it. I was in it long enough to see a lot of good. But there's, I mean, I think anyone listening right now knows that there's also a lot of, uh, there's a big dark side to it as well. And there's some things I, you know, fundamentally have a hard time with, um, especially at the, at the global level. But at the same time, I saw a lot of good and, you know, literally live saves and, and, and families um, kind of pulled together because of, of uh, pharmaceutical um, access, let's say. But I think what, what happened was, even in that world, it, it was always like, it, it's never just the drug, like that, it, depending on the disease, sometimes you, you need that um, to intervene, but then you need everything else. And I worked a lot in, in the mental health side of things and, you know, medications for schizophrenia and bipolar, then at the end, uh, depression, Alzheimer's. So there was a lot to do with the, with the mind. Um, but when it came to journaling, there was never a link with that world and my um, use of journaling. I was doing it purely from a personal level. I was doing it for 10 years because when I first started that job, it was, okay, everyone's going to be trained up in the same way. How can I stand out a bit? So I started getting up a lot earlier than, than people and started reading and, and, and fueling my mind with positive things. And it was through people like Robin Sharma and Tony Robbins and like the Oprahs of the world at that time that, you know, I was consuming their content and their messages. And then, it, you know, it doesn't take very long to start seeing, oh, well, they're doing this, this and that. Right. And journaling or reflective writing, whatever you want to call it, was something that kept coming up. And I quickly started um, practicing it. And uh, just given the job I had, I was traveling a lot. So for me, it always made sense to do it in a digital fashion. Plus, um, you know, my writing is terrible. So I could never actually read what I was writing. So and, and I could type really fast. So for me, it was always started off just in word processors. And I was using Apple Notes and started transitioning to different apps that were out at the time. And just really grew frustrated with um, the options that were out there uh, in the sense of how do you take all this great content or inspiration that I'm already consuming and that all of us are consuming in, in some respect um, and marry it up with this this guided practice, um, which in our case is, you know, prompts really fueling some journaling. So that's mm -hmm. how it all came about. Wow. And for, for context for the listeners who may not be very familiar with their background, so you went to Laurentian University to study business, and yeah. then um, you had, it seems like you had like a quick stint as a sales rep, and then you went into the big pharma world after that, where 
you spend like six and a half years or something in Novartis yeah. and, you, and Atsuka, Atsuka was the last one. And actually yeah. there was a lot, I mean, that was a Japanese pharmaceutical company. Um, and it, there is a link there actually to Takeo because I was only there for just under two years, um, before I left to, to pursue Keo full time. But in that time, really quickly when I started, um, there was a conference in Tokyo that was taking place. And I, I remember, I'll never forget this. I was there and, and I, like, I didn't even have a, like a company credit card at that point. I was still kind of onboarding into the system. And my boss was like, you know, there's a big conference in Tokyo. All the main psychiatrists in Canada are going to be there. You should really go because, you know, it'll, you'll meet them all in, you know, the course of three or four days versus traveling across the country for six months to meet them. And so I went um, and I'll never forget. I mean, it's a place had I been at the company longer, I would have for sure taken vacation and like stayed there, but I was basically kind of in and out. Um, but while I was there, I re- I'll, I don't, I'll never forget. I was, I'd leave my hotel and I was walking to the conference hall, but there was this big temple, um, outside temple right in the middle. So I would walk, it would be crazy busy. Anyone that's listening, has been to Tokyo, know, it's like, there's a lot going on. Um, super busy. And then I'd walk through this temple and it just, everything just zenned right out, like silence. You'd hear the gongs, people were, you know, doing their thing. And it was just such a surreal experience to see this busy, fast moving, like tech infused city um, that, that could just be calmed down in a matter of, well, as soon as you cross into that temple, then you know that you're going to walk right out and, you know, things are going to get a little bit wild again. So the, the parallel it, with, with Kia was how can we bring something to people that can bring those type of Zen and mindful moments to anyone, no matter where they're at? no matter if they're li- living in New York or Toronto or LA, like wherever the busy is, you can still find those, those moments. Right. And because I think there is a lot of stereotypes or perceptions around um, all of these practices that it's like, you know, people in, in robes and top of mountaintops, right. Um, you know, meditating in these majestic locations. Right. So, but, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. If you can experience that, but for the majority of us, we are stuck in traffic or we're commuting from wherever in the busy. So it's like, how can you find those moments in, in the busy, right? Yeah, and it's funny you bring that up. And it's something I've been consciously trying to implement, uh, but some sometimes scares me to do is actually meditating in public. So I remember, wow, yeah. I remember reading about how, you know, a lot of people try to find a quiet place so they can meditate. But if you try to actually meditate in a loud, noisy place, it's actually forcing yourself to try to actually find the calmness amongst yeah. the noise. And so it can train you in a completely different way. And so I I tried that uh, last week or two weeks ago, just I was sitting in the Starbucks and I thought, what if I just meditated now? And I just closed my eyes and hopes no one takes my laptop. And so I just yeah, did it yeah. for 10 minutes. And it was very weird. It's very different. Um, but I could see that it, it'd be very different if I did it more often. I could feel it being a very different kind of meditation. Yeah. But if you think about it, right, again, this is where, I mean, uh, I'm glad you brought it up because it, we're, we're, I think as society, we're slowly starting to think this way. But if you draw a pa- parallel to physical fitness, right, I mean, if you're training for something, you know that you're not going to get the most out of it if you're just going to do like a half-ass run, 
and you're not, you know, you're not challenging yourself. So it's no different. If you're going to be in this perfect environment um, to meditate, um, like that's not reality, right? Like you know that your meditation is going to help you down the road if you're in a crazy kind of stressful moment and, it, you know, it helps you become a little bit more self-aware and pull you out and be less reactive. Um, well, those scenarios aren't zen.com scenarios, right? So anyway, all to say though, like, if, if you're if you're if you're going from zero to, to one i mean sure do whatever it takes to get started but then as your practice continues to to evolve which it sounds like yours is um challenging yourself like that is super beneficial right mm-hmm. yeah like i think it's it's not a thing where i'm trying to do I'll, after this talk like i think now, now i'm a little more inspired and motivated to be more uncomfortable so i'll, I'll try to do that a little more often um but it, it also makes me wonder like when when you talked about the time when you're in like, you know, big farm and how there's the public perception of what it is. I, when I was an investor, actually, I looked into Novartis. So I'm relatively familiar with like the company and how it's, I think so back then when I looked, when I did the research, it was, it's still like a very di- diabetic, like insulin focused company, isn't it? Like many of the drugs are focused on like insulin and all that stuff. Um, maybe at that time, I mean, when I was there, yeah, it, it probably constantly changes too, like yeah. because of different drugs come in and out. But I guess so. The, the question I was trying to get at is, did you did you like pick that you wanted to do focus on like the mental side, like focus on you know drugs that focused on like the mental health aspect? Was that something you're cognizant and just gravitating towards naturally? No, I mean, typically that path is um, like you you really don't have much of a say, especially if you, if you start in sales, you really don't have much of a say. Um, on what products you're going to work on. Like you're, you're trying to, especially if you're new, right? Like if you're new, you're, you're, you're coming in and whatever they have at, at the time. Um, and typically you would start um, with, with products that you would be um, conversing with like family medicine or family docs and stuff like that. And as you get more experience, then you're, you know, you're able to start speaking to specialists and whatnot. Um, so, I mean, I would like I had medications around osteoporosis, Alzheimer's, hypertension. There, there was quite a few. It seemed like there was always a vein somewhere linked to the mind. Um, wasn't intentional that 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 just happened. I think where you can start specializing, it would be like if if I were to want to go back to that world now, having the experience as a as a sales rep and analyst, and then and then the brunt of it being product manager. Like that's where I could say, okay, well, I, I really want to focus in this disease state. Um, and then you have a little bit more say to do that. But, you know, when you start off with kind of no experience, you're, you just, you take what you, what's given type thing. Mm-hmm. And the, the sales environment, I, 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 my imagination is that it's very rowdy and like loud and it's like a traffic jam in like the nature of the work itself. Is that an accurate assumption? And if that's the case, like how did the journaling and trying to find that, presence and stop in your life like really kind of play into all that it's actually um it's actually the reverse because the like the loud kind of salesy like rah 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 stuff is more internal if you know you're at a sales meeting or something like that um but day to day like you're by yourself in your car and you're going into offices where 80 percent of the time you can't even see the physician 
you know, there's like the receptionist is not letting you in. You're leaving notes. Um, and, and, you know, the, the core job as, as a pharmaceutical rep, despite what most people would probably think, is really to educate them on a disease state. And because, you know, like, especially at the family medicine level, you, you come out of med school. I mean, there's no way you can keep up with the advances in in the science. I mean, it's you, you can only go to so many speaking events or education seminars and conferences. So as a rep, you would you would always like these are these are the facts. These are the latest studies around this product and this disease state. I'm leaving this with you. Do you, if you have any questions, let me know. Um, this is the idea, like in terms of um, the patient population that this drug is working the best for, you know, here are the details, for example. So if you see those patients, I mean, this is what the research su- supports. Like that's essentially the job as, as, a, as a sales rep, at least in more modern times. Like I know back in the day and like the way the, mu- the movies portrayed, it was like a bit of a wild west, right? Like, um, and I was coming in at a time where that time didn't really exist anymore. There was a lot, um, there was a lot of regulation. Like if, if, if I hosted a dinner and brought in a, a speaker to, again, educate um, the customers on a disease state, like literally I'd have to count the glasses of wine. Like you would have one or two glasses of wine max. And, and there, there was a lot of restriction on any type of outside events wow. and the location, the restaurant, like you couldn't, you couldn't just, you could not just go and pick the most expensive restaurant in Toronto. Like that would never fly. Hmm. Yeah. That, that does go to the contrary. Like I, I, yeah. I always just assume that, Oh, if you're a big pharma, they're going to wine and dine you. And they have all this big money behind you. It's all this glamorous stuff. Like that's what I actually like imagined. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely budget there. Oh, yeah. um, um, but at the same time, I mean, there it's, it's heavily regulated and, and as it should be, right. Cause the regulations are in there for a reason, because at one point it wasn't, and it, w- it was a bit of a wild west and we're, we're dealing with with healthcare, which is super important yeah. so then where, where the mental fitness came up came about was really more so dealing with constant rejection and like how do you stay motivated mm-hmm. when the door is being closed in your face all the time when you have sales targets and um like you're constantly trying to figure out the best way to get the message across and and it's just relationships right like how do you build a relationship with another human being and and get your information across so that's where um journaling along with with other practices really was helpful to keep a really strong mindset and over this kind of decade period as you've been journaling you so you went through this transition after novartis you went to otuka and then you left the pharmaceutical world but all that time you were constantly journaling every day and what what was that decision process or kind of the step by like mental frame that you had where you decide to just close the store on this pharmaceutical world like and i feel like it's you it's not like it just kind of happened immediately you've probably seen something happen throughout the journaling period of you're constantly writing things down you're meditating you're thinking you're reflecting and what was that what was the lead up to that process sure well it was i mean it was years of seeing the personal benefit uh, first and foremost, I'm, on my own side, just just going through different ups and downs and whatnot that I uh, was able to work through leveraging journaling. Um, but then when the idea came up for for Keo, um, I, I flipped my brother-in-law and Sine, who's also the co-founder of the company, an email with my frustrations in in my experience, 
with with journaling and just basically said you know i laid it out and said you want to you want to try building an app um like so naive right like i'm not a developer uh he's not a developer but he he had an it and still does have an it business running uh where they're building some websites and stuff so that, that was like the closest person i knew and and we really got along as 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 family um that had some sort of tech experience, even though not, it's not what we needed, right? Um, so we started working on it. I mean, it was mind mapping it in the evenings, um, probably worked on it for a good six months. Um, and then we, we went to the, actually the conference that I just came back from in Montreal C2. She went to that conference uh, three years ago, and I was there on behalf of Atsuka. Um, and he came in just uh, kind of on on his own dime. I'm like, you'd really like this. It's a fun event, a lot of people. And we ended up booking a ton of meetings with the participants in the conference and started pitching the like the mock-ups of what we envisioned Kyo to be. Did, did you bring slide decks with you or like a laptop to just show them like, this is how it's going to go. This is yeah. how the flow is going to look. Yeah, totally. I, I can't remember if, if we were even at the point where we were using Envision at that point which uh, for everyone listening is a really cool like prototyping software that really replicates what the app would look like. Um, I don't think we even had that at, at that point. Uh, it would have been like PDFs or um, we might have been using Adobe XD actually. But anyway, we had something, but it was, I remember too, like we, we had a couple of meetings booked and we were, we were talking to people. Then um, we got some good feedback and then we called our designer and I'm like, can we, we, can you update this and like flip the photo around? Like we have another meeting in 30 minutes type thing. And he'd, he'd update that stuff live and we'd go in and, and kind of, it was really uh, an iterative process, like live on the ground. And it was, it was through that experience that like, you know what? It, Cause that was the first time that we talked to others outside of, you know, our friends and family on, on what this was. And um, we, we started to see that there was there was some validation there and people were, were interested and could see where we we're trying to go. Um, and then that's where the decision was actually made that um, either either I go all in on this or it's just not not going to go anywhere. And, and I had enough experience on the on the pharma side as a product manager to know that, you know, we would need a solid brand plan um, and, and a network of people to actually get this out because you know we could have just built it um and put it out in the app store which for anyone building apps is a tremendous feat um we didn't know that but we could have just did that and just seen if people were going to actually download the thing right but to me like that wasn't really a strategy so in order to put put a strategy together um, actually took a lot of a lot of pharmaceutical strategies like how do we how do we bring together some big influencers in the space and start talking to them and interview them and get their buy-in so that when, when we were actually ready to launch which is no different than launching a drug I mean you go and you speak to if you're going to launch a medication in um, in psychiatry you're going to go to the top psychiatrist in the country and get them involved from the beginning to get their feedback and see where the issues are and like where we can add some value and you start there and then it trickles down because everyone that's looking for advice is looking up right so it's no different than looking at um like the top influencer in in i don't know uh, the tech space or like the designers and things like that right so we started making a list of the people that were inspiring us so like tim ferris and kevin rose and I think I had a list maybe about 10 different people that um, 
we were all listening to um for, like most of them had podcasts and we're like these people we like we believe in their message and it resonate and we know that they do this stuff already right like so it's not a sell there and just started reaching out in all possible fashions to to get their attention and ended up um I mean, we didn't get Tim Ferriss yet, but we've got a lot of his friends. So, uh, Tim, if you're listening, um, you know, we're still waiting for that interview. But basically just started from zero and got to the point where when we launched, we had a, a reach, um, not our reach, uh, or sorry, not our following, but like all the people that were were in the app had a reach of around 16 million people um, from from nothing, right? So then all of a sudden we launched and within, within a few months, uh, we started getting a ton of Apple features um, wow. across the world. And uh, I, I lost count at this point, but at one point we were at around 145 uh, country features where we were either new apps we love or app of the day. Um, uh, in Canada and the US, we hit some sort of uh, like start a digital journal list because now the app store is doing these lists and then they'll list out like 10 or 15 apps. So we've showed up on those. Um, and I really believe it's because a, I, I think we've got a lot of good feedback on the design of the app. That's always been something. And this is where a lot of the Japanese um, kind of aesthetic comes in and like just the simplicity and the mi- minimalism. Like that's that's something that fuels a lot of our design. But then we have these these big names and these these experts in all of these different industries that, you know, is not expected in a journaling app. You would expect a ton of meditation coaches and like yoga instructors, right? which we have those people, but we also have, you know, Michelin star chefs and writers and designers and technologists and all of these different people, because coming back to those are the people that, you know, can relate to the the, the normal society, let's say, right. That, you know, the people in these, these office towers here in in Toronto, like those are the, it's the, the, those are the jobs is their product managers. They're, you know, QA specialists, they're data scientists. So, you know, that those are the people we're trying to get um, their insight into how they're conducting their mental fitness on, on a daily basis because they're all doing it. And and so when you have this list of people that you admire, like, you know, I think that that part's probably the easy part where you've had all these years of listening to all these top people. So you have that list, the stream list. And what was the initial like beginning period like when you're, sending all these cold emails like how long was it until one person one of these famous influencers that everybody else wants the attention of decided to reply and say all right let's let's chat like what was that first one like and how long did it take to get there yeah well i mean a lot of them are still ongoing to be honest i mean i still i mean i just shared content this morning from tim ferris so um and that's been years now right so i think the I was going to say recipe, but I, I really don't think there's a recipe. It's it, it's it's always there. There are key factors, let's say, that can increase your probability of of reaching these people, um, or I should just say, developing a network in general. And I think you need a bit of a balance of going after the the big ones where all the noise is, um, and just actually getting content in. So the first interview was. Um, this guy, Mitch, um, who runs a cafe in Montreal called September Surf. And I was doing a lot of work in the cafe early mornings there and got to know him really well. And um, 
basically how the inter- and this is what launched not the podcast but just launched the whole concept of us doing interviews because the first I think we did maybe 30 or 40 interviews that were written and then we eventually transitioned to a podcast but the whole thing was that here's this from the outside this really popping busy awesome cafe which it still is an awesome cafe but in reality you know <clears throat> the owner was struggling right like this was a new business it was tough and he was like yeah i'm using headspace I'm, I'm trying all these different things it sounds like what you're building sounds really cool i could really use that and and i just remember thinking like interesting like no one would ever expect this from from this owner of this this cafe that seems in the outside is and it was doing well right but just it just goes to show like everything everyone's going through the ups and downs mm. And, you know, he was an entrepreneur, no different than kind of you and I, and eventually just said, you know, do you mind sitting down? Like, I'd love to interview you and just talk a little bit more about, you know, that process. And then that's what really kicked things off. And then, you know, then the other ones kept going and and whatnot. And then all of a sudden people started kind of within the the network that was already built, started grasping at the fact that, okay, these guys are interviewing people like I can introduce you to so-and-so. And, and, and so forth. But you start to quickly realize that the world, especially in tech, is much smaller than what you would think. Like people are, and you can see it often just even if you're on Instagram and, and you look at, you know, you just followed someone and you can see where the common followers are. And then all of us, and I still do this to this day. Like if I'm trying to get to someone, um, and now thankfully that we have a good roster of people, like let's say it's, um, I don't know, the founder of Peloton or something like I'd follow him and see, okay, well, who are the common contacts? And I'd say almost 40 to 50% of the time, there's at least one or two, sometimes even three or four similar contacts. So then I'll, I'll, I'll try to find the person's email and I'll compose an email and say, here's what we're up to. Our values are aligned and here are some past guests. So they're not the, the latest five guests. They're the guests that I know he follows. Right. So now it's not it's no longer me making the sell. It's it's the person's friends making the sell, for example. And but before that email goes out, there's usually weeks of if that person share has a podcast or sharing content, um, you know, I'll interact with that content so that and this is where maybe the, the last name comes in because in, it's a little bit of a unique name. But um, you start seeing it. Like Tim Ferriss for sure has heard of Keo and, and and my name. Even though he has millions of followers, he's retweeted stuff that I've sent out. Um, so he knows. So it's just a matter of time that we end up in the same room somewhere or at, at an event or a conference. And the thing is, the way at least the way I see this happening is that, again, it's not me saying, hey, Tim, like we're really trying to build up this, this mental fitness app. We'd love your support. Know that you're really big into journaling. This could help a lot of people. Um, like he knows that stuff, but it's, it's more like, no, like Kevin Rose, Dario Rose, Scott Belsky, like all these different people that he's interviewed himself already in the platform. Right. So like that, that, that was a strategy. The, the, the initial list was, was like the hub. And then now it's kind of spider webbed out, but they're all connected in a way. So I think for, for anyone trying to do it is put out your wish list. Start following the, the the work. Start understanding who that person is, for example, and then just just start working through it, right? Um, but you're going to get a lot of rejection. You're just going to get no's. You're and most of the time you're just going to get nothing at all, 
And I think that's where that's where we've had to use our, or at least I've had to use our own practices just to stay, you know, motivated and be like, is this even worth it? You know, like, why am I doing this each day and going through this? But, but it is because at the end of the day, I mean, the practice like this has saved lives in the past and can, can greatly improve lives. So, you know, that's why I'm sending follow-up emails. It's not, it's, it's not to increase downloads. It's literally to hopefully create a positive impact on this world. So, I don't care if you if you feel like you're getting bombarded by me. It's it's not coming from a place of like we're trying to make a ton of cash. I mean, I think we talked about this before. I mean, this is not a gold mine. If you're looking to make a ton of money, it's not. To, don't go develop an app. That's not the place to, to place to do it. Um, so you have to be really invested in 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 the purpose of why you're doing this, right? Um, and it's it's fun. Like I I enjoy playing that networking game and, and trying to connect with people then when it happens um and then you hear them on the other side of the mic or if they agree to you know put into co- put content in um like it's really gratifying because it's a people are, are benef- benefiting on the other side with the byproduct so am i right like and you know this too by interviewing people like you get a lot out of it right like you're, you're learning personally from from people all around the world so yeah yeah yeah, I think that's that's beautifully put. There's a, I don't know who said this quote, but there's a quote where uh, I think I'm going to butcher it by paraphrasing. It's the author gets more out of writing the book than you'll ever get reading it. Yeah, and, totally. I can, I can relate. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like it's definitely there in like that process of constantly reaching out, meeting more people. And you've been on this journey yourself for about three and a half years now. And I'm, I think I've hit that kind of just gone past that kind of one year mark of my own, but even that one year has just been like a weird roller coaster of emotions and everything. And like, I have to do my own meditations and yeah. like I had a period when I stopped meditating and I had to just go back to it out of a need just cause I felt I was losing my mind. Sure. And I'm wondering for you, after you left that pharmaceutical world, like, even though you had this plan, like you were an experienced product manager, you kind of had an idea of, okay, this is how we're going to execute everything. What was that? Like first, year two years like actually going through it like did you have moments where you thought okay i'm going to go back to the farm school but i can't i can't do it like or we're running out of the money runway we can't do it like what was it like yeah it's that that's a good question because i think and scott belsky talks about this and he has a book out that's a that's uh really good i encourage people to, to pick it up it's called the messy middle mm-hmm. um and because we we're actually in the messy middle right now and a lot of people don't talk about that like there is a lot of discussion around you know, is this, is that, is this actually going to work? Right. I mean, there's, there's people downloading the app, but like, can we actually create a viable business so that we can, you know, keep delivering, um, you know, value to people, but also like we, we have families, right. As, as well. And I mean, those are, those are questions that, that come up all the time and we're always pivoting and, um, trying out different strategies. Like we've tried so many different things, um, um, to to make certain things stick right it's not just like the app is one thing the podcast is another there's corporate initiatives that we're playing with there's an education piece that we're exploring right now and like you don't get to those levels until you try things right or experience it like the first six to seven months are like a honeymoon it's like everyone and this is what scott belsky talks about like everyone's excited it's a new idea it's like wow that's cool i can see you know where you want to go and 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 what you're what you're doing so awesome um and then there's this whole middle piece that sometimes could be you know years and years and typically from what i'm seeing is four to five years 
Like if you look at even the comms and headspaces of the world, which are, you know, the largest meditation apps in the world, you know, we really only started hearing about them when they were five plus years into their journey, right? Like Calm and, and, and Headspace have been around for, for 10 years. Like it, it, they're not brand new, right? But like, so what were they doing in the last 10 years? That's the thing that no one talks about, right? You only hear the big press releases or the big rounds of funding raise, which are usually at the tail end of things. So that whole messy middle in, in between is is where companies either survive or just just die, right? And then that's where all the you know the ups and downs are, where we have to use our own practices just to stay you know mentally sane to to, to keep trying and 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 iterating. But it's also where the, like the true magic lies. Like that's where the conversations like these happen and like meeting new people and, and you know, failing at something and figure like really testing your mind, figuring out, okay, well that didn't work, but like, where can we go next? And all of that stuff is tremendous amount of, of like personal development. And, um, it's, it's too bad. Like, I think it's happening more and more, but it's, it's too bad. It's not talked about more because that's, that's, that's the reality. And, and Gary V talks a lot about, about this as well. It's like, there's, there's this illusion on what entrepreneurship is. Um, it, it's not all this glamorous stuff that it's, it's made out to be. Cause you know, in that middle, if you're not doing it for the right reasons, like that's where you'd be like, I'm done. I'm going back, um, to the farmer world or I'm, I'm going to go, you know, grab another job that's a little bit more secure or has benefits or like whatever it is. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think you really need to be dialed in on, on why you're getting involved in it from the, from the very beginning. And, and for you though, so when you're going through, as you're going through your messy middle, um, when, when do those thoughts come at you the hardest? Like the thought of, like the thought you entertain of, "Ah, I could go back to the farm world. Should I go back to the farm world? Oh man. Like there were some good times early. Do you ever entertain those thoughts? And if you do like when, at yeah. what, what hard moments do yeah. they come well, back to you? Less about pharma, just because I think as a person, I, I've evolved a lot. Um, and, and not just like my values have changed in, in terms of just health in general. Uh, I'm much more interested in preventing uh, disease from happening, either like through diet or whatever the means is, versus trying to put a a fix after it happens, which, um, at least from my experience in the farm world is typically more of that, like, let's fix it or let's, let's adjust something in the body when the disease is already there, for example, um, which has its place. Like, don't forget, I mean, anyone that, um, you know, is really hating on the, on the drug world, most of the time, like when you're in your dire, if you're at your absolute sickest, you're going to want something right to, to help you like that that's just that's just reality right so you know i because I, I don't want this to come off as i'm, I'm knocking that that industry because I, I learned a lot and i have a lot of good friends in, in that world um but when those thoughts come up it's usually financial related like i have a three-year-old i have a wife um you know financially it's really tough uh, starting starting a company and, and not knowing if you're going to get paid you know this month or or the next and we have a team that we're accountable to so that like that's where the that's when you start when the self-doubt comes in and i think that happens for for everyone um at least it, it comes up in interviews that that i've done um 
but it's just a matter of, of again like if you really truly like with every being in your body you believe in what you're doing then it's just it's just an opportunity to rethink or reprioritize or dial yourself back in and 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 again i think pull from this is a big thing that 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 i found has has helped but pull from the list of non-negotiables in your life like you know i have a list of maybe 10 things that i know um immediately make me smile or make me feel good like exercise meditation um you know going to an art gallery or just like taking in art or fresh air eating clean staying hydrated so in those moments when things are are bad or don't feel great from from a mental perspective i know i can turn to that toolkit and just pick any one of those to do and flip my mind or flip my mood and that's been you know that's been a big big help day to day i'm gonna try that one I'm gonna try that one. Yeah, like I, I've ha- I have a list of non-negotiables, but the practice of going back to it and reminding myself that, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that. I have that now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I always my goal is I always try to have two to three of those those items on the list in check uh, weekly. Mm. Um, and I know, like you, you can feel it in your body when you don't, um, but it is when you when you are in those those higher stress points mm-hmm. um, where you where you catch yourself in that. Kind of self-destructive narrative because that's all it is you start forming these narratives right that and you start projecting out like months in advance something that hasn't even come to fruition but your mind is spinning right and, and that's obviously it's anxiety but if you can if you can break that pattern by you know again even asking a question like what was awesome about today you know, like that, that last meeting you had was like, that was great. And it was a great step in the right direction. Right. Um, you can completely change your, your mood and pull you out of that. Hmm. And, and do you feel that, or do you think that, um, that kind of mood that you were in prior to being pulled out of it is like, would like we think it's the reality, but it's not, it's kind of like another conjured up version of this negative I don't know, environment that we're just so afraid of and we're just like, that's probably it. And we just try to like latch onto it out of fear. Yeah, I mean, I like, I can't speak to the, I'm, I'm sure there's studies and science and stats and stuff related to that. I mean, I, I can just speak personally and then also from the from the interviews from, from like hundreds of people. I think the majority of the time, those are self-created narratives that really don't end up coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you're in them, they feel very real and can do a lot of damage, right? A lot of damage. So, you know, whatever you can do to stop that cycle and, and, and pull out of that. And there, you know, there, there are a ton of things, a ton of practices that can help. And there are a ton of practices that I feel help to even just get you to the point for you to notice that you're in one of those loops. Like that's the most common theme that I have seen from the interviews I've done. That all these top performers, whether it's personally, professionally, or both, um, have a very high uh, sense of, of self-awareness, and that's happened through you know years of prioritizing the the training of their mind. And and they're all they're all different practices. They're all finding ways to to do that that work for their routine, work for their life, but they are prioritizing that just like you would prioritize, you know, going to the gym or trying to eat, um, you know, somewhat healthy. 
And then it just comp- compounds over the years. And then you start seeing it. So that's the other thing that, you know, you ask just kind of about the highs and lows and stuff about this world. I'm always wondering, because um, it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done, you know, jump into this. But at the same time, it's also the most self-aware I've ever been because of just, you know, following our own practice and, and you know, what we're picking up from the interviews. So, you know, how much is it that all of that stuff existed and now I'm just feeling it and seeing it versus um, like legit um, stress or, you know, just challenge and just launching a business. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that is, but it's probably a combination. Um, but what is nice is knowing that, you know, we're not alone. That's a big thing. Uh, everyone, you know, goes through their own journey in, in some capacity and there are a ton of tools to do to help, um, you know, get you through it. And in terms of actually building out the mental fitness and actually getting, becoming more self-aware and, how do how do you measure your own improvement in mental fitness? Um, is there like because I it is I feel like it is a very uh, subjective thing to like to yourself where there are moments when I would feel it where I randomly feel at peace with something or how I like recently I've started seeing like it's like a weird shift where my relationship with money has evolved to something completely different now than it used yeah. to be a year ago, but it's only happened after about a year of this. And so, yeah. But like, how do you measure the improvement in your own men- mental fitness? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it sounds very similar to be, to be honest. Um, I don't measure it like analytically. Um, cause you know, sometimes I'll look like, Oh, how many, you know, when's the last time I meditated or, you know, in, in Kia, you can see obviously the dates of your entries and there's a calendar view of that saying, okay, well, it's been, there's been a bit of a gap. Um, like those are the kind of surface level measurements. But I think what I've noticed over the last couple of years is just more and more days where I truly feel present and like, you know, circling right back to how we started this conversation on, on Kia being, you know, the Japanese word for today, but like really being present today being present for this conversation and like the, you know the whatever interaction is going to come next and not being um spun into thinking okay like what do i have to do tomorrow what's on the what's on the agenda just being there right and being able to, and, and you can feel that um and i had it to this morning i, I did a, a spin class just like a self-guided spin class uh early in the morning and there was a moment in the spin where I just felt like really, I don't know, it was, it was hard to explain, but just like physically alive and super, like from a mental perspective, like super motivated for the next steps to, to Keo. Um, so for me, that means, you know, that's, that's my, my, my judge of, of success when it comes to just doing these practices day in and day out, right? Like I don't journal every day. Um, in the sense of in the app or in a physical notebook, I'd say I'm reflecting daily for sure. Um, meditation is, is not a daily thing, um, but it's like whatever you need, at least whatever I need uh, today, I'll, I'll kind of pull from that toolkit and make sure I'm doing something. Some, mm-hmm. At least daily I'm doing something for my mind. And it could be as simple as um, taking a few moments, just take a, you know, uh, a couple deep breaths, um, and setting an intention for the day or just, you know, I don't know, saying thank you or whatever, right? It, it doesn't have to be huge. Um, these small little micro moments of reflection 
um, have tremendous, tremendous uh, value in, in, in your day. Hmm. I'm going to take a, a note of that. I, 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 I say that because as you're telling me that, it, it made me realize about how, although I have all this big mindful practice of I, I journal every day, every morning, every night, I meditate every day, but it's sometimes there's that kind of, I feel like I'm losing pre- being present by forcing myself to do it every day like this yeah. is guilt that i miss a day and i'm like yeah yeah we I, turn it into competitive it's it's funny yeah. i've heard that before too yeah yeah it kind of goes against the the, the practice and, yeah and, and keeping in mind it, it's called a practice because we're practicing right it's true no yeah. that that makes sense um man there's so much more i want to talk to you about but in the interest of time as we kind of wrap onto the yeah. final legs of the interview i i wanted to ask do you if it's a common question I'd like to ask all my guests, but if the 20 year old Mark were to look at what you're doing right now, building Keo and, um, you know, not in the traffic or in like the big skyscrapers, what do you think the emotional reaction from that Mark would be to where you're at? Wow. That's a powerful question. Um, I think that 20 year old wouldn't know, wouldn't understand what, what I'm doing right now. Mm. Um, I think the emotion would be confusion and, um, like falling into the stereotypes of like, what is that? Like what kind of hocus pocus kind of work is, uh, you know, are you doing? Mm-hmm. Cause at that time I just, I wasn't a, what I was just starting in, in that field, um, and didn't have the education to see that, you know, all the people I was looking up to at that time were practicing things like this. Um, so that's where I think like the, the, the journey, like going back to that, that journey is, is just so important because you, you pick those things up and you as a, as a person evolve along the way. Um, like never in a million years would I, I thought I would have gone into the, uh, like a sound bath um, with like crystal bowls and stuff like that to me was hocus pocus right and still is for a lot of people but you start meeting these these individuals that like it's really backed by a lot of science and you're having educated conversations around this and you feel the benefits um so now so for me it would be like wow like there's a whole whole other world that has opened up um that i'm i'm just super excited to to continue to explore because it seems it seems endless um like i just don't see a drawback to continually um training your mind or upgrading your mind mm-hmm. is there uh, something that you wish you had known when you're at that 20 year old state that you could impart that with someone if you could go back in time and tell that mark like just consider this one thing you might listen, listen to like 10 things but listen to this one thing yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I would have tried to maybe the one thing would be like listen more more intently or be be more present when listening because I was consuming a lot of that type of content. But you know, maybe it was just like half listening or not, you know, not really taking it in for for what it is. Because you know, as a as a young kind of twenty year old, it's really focused on um, like the career and like what was the next step and. Um, you know, work in one job for two years and then, okay, then you're going to go here and I need to do this, this, and that, um, is, is a very typical path, right. In, in the, in the corporate world. Um, 
and that's what I was super focused on. But I mean, I learned a lot going through going through that process, and it's it's actually coming back kind of full circle now that that we start entering into the corporate world when it comes to mental fitness, you know, coaching or training or sharing the insights that we're learning at that corporate level. You know, I've had the ten years of of, of experience to see what happens in you know in those buildings, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's all just it's all just part of our journey and evolution. And like, if I, you know, if, if you project out 10, you know, 10, 20 years from now, I'm sure I'd look back being like, Oh, you shouldn't be so stressed out with the financial stuff. Like just believe and keep going. Right. Which, which, which we do, but I mean, it's also reality, right. For, for a lot of entrepreneurs just trying to, you know, spin up a business and, and keep it, you know, uh, sustainable and keep it moving in the right direction. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited to see where we go. We've got a lot of really cool um, tech in- initiatives coming, a lot of uh, predictive technology that we're working on to hopefully help even more on the mental health side of things and just keep you know, breaking down the stigma when it comes to um, mental, mental health, but then really trying to ch- shift that narrative around like this is fitness for your mind and, and I really think in the next five years that mental fitness will be as talked about as physical fitness. It's going to become a norm. Um, you can you can already start seeing it, um, and we're seeing like big investment in like the comms of the world and, and and this space. So it's it's super exciting. I think it's it's I think we need it. Um, you know, there's a lot of signs showing that we need it, and it's it's fun to be part of. The building blocks, because even in the last two years, just just seeing the change in 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 um, people accepting the language and what this stuff is is it, it's been it's skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. No, that's 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 definitely true. And Mark, thanks so much for coming to the podcast. And um, is there one like anything you wish that we had covered that we didn't cover for the chat today, or um, that you'd like to share for our audience? And you know, you can talk about that or you can also share also where our audience can like find Keo and how they can like get involved. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'll leave one thing. I mean, first you can find us, uh, it's pretty easy, just Keo app, K-Y-O app, um, dot com. And then uh, that's our social handle as well on all the channels. We're, we're probably most active on uh, Instagram. And you can find me, Mark Champagne, with, uh, with the C. It's spelled same as the bubbly on LinkedIn and, and all the platforms. Uh, I'm, I'm super accessible. Um, and then the podcast obviously is Keo Conversations, so you know, please uh, tag along. Happy to have you there. Uh, and then I think the one piece is just for anyone listening that wants to get started in any type of practice like this, just you know, again, set yourself up for success. Pick something that seems interesting that you you've you've always wondered about, and just just try something you know super micro. If it's meditation, maybe you know just try a couple minutes or five minutes. Um, there's a lot of great free. Uh, apps that you can get started on where you can do five minutes and but just you know give it a shot right like give it a good week of of doing it and and prioritizing if it's if it's journaling you know the the usually the best um, times for success on that is either first thing in the morning or the first thing or sorry the last thing you do before you go to bed um and going to bed is really a gratitude exercise usually on on looking back on the day and seeing what was great about it um, and then the morning is just really setting, setting up your mind with, with a positive frame of mind with, um, with like an intention setting or, um, 
whatever. I mean, whatever you want to reflect on, but just just start somewhere um, and start small. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Mark, I really enjoyed our chat today. And thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with my audience and myself. Yeah, thank you. It was super fun. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope the story was inspiring to you. It Hopefully, it also helped you expand your perspectives. Hopefully, it also made you question the default path that you might have been going on or the default beliefs you might have had. And maybe now it'll make you even think about doing something about it, doing something different maybe, challenging yourself, being courageous. Who knows? But regardless, I'm really happy that you took some time out of your day to listen to this fantastic story with my guest. And if you would like to somehow, in some way, contribute and help support the podcast and maybe even just be part of the community that I'm trying to build with the greater OMD Ventures platform, really think about being a stakeholder in the platform. And the quick way to do that is to go to my website, oldmandan.com, and go to the stakeholders page. I believe it's oldmandan.com slash stakeholder. And the link is also down below. And that's how you can figure out how you can subscribe, follow to get more updates on the free content, but at the same time also donate and donate by actually just buying me a coffee. That's just how I put it. And you can buy me a coffee a month, coffee a week, or coffee every day of the year. And think about it as the way that, you know, if you wanted to chat with me, you might just bring me out for coffee and buy me a coffee. Or if you wanted to bring one of my guests out to chat, you might buy them a coffee. So I'm just think of it as I'm the service that's doing that for you so you can just pay me in coffees <laughs> don't worry uh, everything will still be free it's just it would just really help if you would like to show your support this way so that I can use the coffee money to buy myself actual coffees and also to buy my guests actual coffees at and use the leftover money to actually grow the platform as well as even keep it operationally alive as well because it all this is, isn't really free and it does take a lot of time to build it as well as operate it and hopefully grow it further so your support would be amazing if you would like to contribute and so yeah just check out the website go to the stakeholders page and read the different kind of benefits you might even get as a stakeholder all right thank you